When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think by this point we know where 77 is going to be. (laughs) We know he's going to start on the offensive line. My question, Chris, as I pose it to you and to the lovely listeners of the Southside Beat here on a Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, will it be the left or will it be the right? What is the future of Broderick Jones? The first-round pick used from last year that they traded up to get and a big piece of this offense and the retooling that it's going to go under with the new offensive coordinator. I think it's a fascinating place to go on a day like today. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, first off, welcome, everybody. Thank you for for joining us today. Uh, hump day. Uh, Happy Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting, uh, getting ready for the end of the – Working for the weekend. <laughs> I mean, not we don't really get weekends, but uh, shoot, my wife gets a weekend, so I get excited when the weekend comes. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, like listen, the offensive line is going to be a big focus for the Steelers. Uh, you know, this off season, uh, they've got three good pieces. You know, they got three good pieces that they're they're set at guard with uh, Sayamalo and Daniels, and then tackle. You know, you got Broderick Jones and. Uh, you know, obviously drafted him as a left tackle based off of what transpired during the season, regardless of what our opinions were of it. Um, he ended up supplanting Chooks core for at right tackle and showed well and showed a lot of what we kind of expected, you know, much better as a run blocker than as a pass protector, not hopeless as a pass protector, but just needs work. And sure. that was, and, you know, obviously had to take into account that he wasn't playing the left side, which he did at Georgia. So there's also that to take into account. Um, but overall, very promising uh, for, for first season, not completely. We got our, we got our tackle for the next, you know, however many years, but very, very promising can definitely live up to the uh, hype of a first rounder. And yeah, now the question is what do the Steelers do? Um, and I think the, just the, my immediate reaction to that is they have flexibility to do whatever they, they need to do. Mm-hmm. They can have him at right tackle. He can play there. He can continue to grow there because if a star left tackle or stud left tackle somehow gets to them in the draft, by all means, you don't pass that up, especially if it's best player available. No, absolutely not. And I think it's important to note that to me, and this is just my gauge and my feel on things. I mentioned this, I think, in brief, and it was either yesterday or the day before. I think it's pretty clear cut where the Steelers are going to look for positional improvement in this offseason. And I don't think it's 
difficult to, to, to diagnose either. Mm-hmm. I think it's obvious that the offensive line needs improvement, obviously, at one tackle in the center position. I think the secondary, particularly at cornerback, needs improvement. I think the middle linebacker need improvement. I think the interior defensive line needs improvement. Those four areas right there. Hmm. In addition to the quarterback, obviously the quarterback situation is going to have to play out at some point. But I think those four spots are pretty obvious to dictate at this stage as we sit here at the end of January before the conference championship Sunday. Now, what's going to happen in free agency is going to dictate how the draft goes. That's how Mm -hmm. this works. So let's say the Steelers go inside linebacker, cornerback, just for the sake of conversation and free agency, and they pick up a couple of pretty substantial contracts there. That leaves the door open for offensive line, defensive line, and you Mm -hmm. can interchange those for conversation. But I think those four are very imperative, and we're kind of starting here with the offensive line, and Hodge says it here. Draft Mims, that's Amarius Mims out of Georgia as the natural right tackle so Jones can go to left. I think that's the most logical thing to do. And when you look at the market for tackles, they're going to have to pay a pretty penny if they're going to want a good one in this offseason and free agency. So to me, that's the logical thing to do. But that's not to say that the Steelers are going to rule out keeping Broderick at right tackle either. There is an option there because of – his his experience there. He played the majority of the snaps, obviously, over there. So I think it's a fascinating topic, and I think it's a way that the Steelers can go either way with and still get a good result with. Yeah, I think just the biggest thing for me, and a lot of people do this every single offseason, and, and I completely understand the reason why. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the biggest thing that I think people need to be wary of and – if you want any proof of it, look at how the last few drafts have gone. Um, five or six drafts. The Steelers need to get away from drafting for need. They just need to. Um, when you draft for need, that's a, it's a poor way to run a franchise. The free agency is the best means to address needs. Okay, uh, the draft is where you acquire cornerstones that you know, can or potential cornerstones for your franchise, not only because they are, are very cost effective, but mm-hmm. because you're literally breeding them. They are coming into the NFL to play Pittsburgh Steelers football and not, you know, coming in from a certain program and then going off and playing somewhere else for five years or however many, and then becoming uh, a free agent. And then now you've got to kind of work through some, you know, potentially bad habits created at the, at the NFL level. And so you really do have the potential to, it's just the best way to build, to build your, build your franchise. And when you look at the, the reason why the Steelers had so much success in the two thousands, winning two Super Bowls, you know, to go along with that, you know, and at least, at least a couple more AFC championships, they drafted insanely well. Look from Mm -hmm. 2000 through 2012, those first round picks, they, I mean, I think the worst first round pick of that entire stretch, you can make an argument for Kendall Simmons, Rashard Mendenhall, or Ziggy Hood. None of those three are terrible picks. No. First round, meh, maybe a little bit, you know, didn't quite live up to that hype, but still became contributors for teams that mattered. Steel, I mean, other than a couple of them, that's not been the case lately. They need to get back to drafting for drafting best player available, not drafting for need. 
sometimes those things align. And sometimes, you know, if, if the first round pick comes, you know, number 20 comes along, they have a stud right tackle right there. Best player available. Absolutely get them. Don't say no because, oh, we got Broderick Jones who might play right tackle. Right. Because he can't move over to the left. And that's the one great thing that I think versatility is always a great thing, especially in the offensive line. Well, and even then, they'll still need to get another tackle. It's it's pretty foregone, at least based on conversation and logic, that two score for is not going to be a stealer next year. It's mm-hmm. too much money for a guy that's going to ride the pine. And, and for a guy that doesn't produce like a starter should, and a guy that gets paid that much should. So it's pretty foregone that Chooks is gone. Now, this is all saying Chooks is gone. And if Chooks is gone, they're going to be down to Dan Moore and Broderick Jones, basically, at, at, at tackle. So they're going to have to pick somebody up, free agency or draft. And look, for what we've seen from Dan Moore for the last two seasons, he ain't it. So no. find somebody. No. Find a rookie. Get somebody fresh in there. And I think, mm-hmm. like, look, Spice says it here, trade Chooks. Like, whether it's trade or it's cutting – I can't envision Chooks being here for the money and for the production. It doesn't line up. It doesn't make too much sense. A Steeler Girl 808, ask any more offensive coordinator interviews scheduled? No. Um, the only two names that we've really nailed down as as candidates as of right now that are talking to the Steelers or will be talking to the Steelers are Zach Robinson of the Rams and then Cliff Kingsbury, former Cardinals head coach. Those are really the only two names yeah. um, that have been brought up so far. Um Real quick point here from Hodge, too. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, really big couple of days coming up on the Ramon Foster Show right after us here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Live. Today, Wednesday, 4 Eastern, it's going to be Ramon and Alejandro Villanueva, special guest, joining Ramon for the Ramon Foster Show today. So that's coming up right after this. You're not going to want to miss that. And then tomorrow, big day, 2.30, right before we get on here. It's going to be Ramon and Mason Rudolph. Ooh. The Mason Rudolph. So That's going to be gonna awesome. That. That's, That's going to be, be awesome. a big day. Big Al in the house today, 4 o'clock, and then Mason Rudolph at 2.30. You're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be must-listen, yeah. appointment mm-hmm. viewing. Chris wasn't distracted. I think he was uh, letting the dog out. <laughs> no, I was actually uh, – so my I just recently uh, switched the – the, the washer to put the clothes from the washer to the dryer. So the dryer's running and it's like constantly making noise. So I needed to close the door to the laundry room. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, really quick. I saw somebody say Lima Swede. Lima Swede was a second round pick, by the way. Whew. He was not well, first round. I mean, bad pick, but he was second round. Uh, Matt says, what are they going to do a quarterback if Mason doesn't resign? If Mason doesn't resign, they're going to have to adjust really quickly. Hmm. And they're going to have to either number one, do their diligence on another free agent, which by this, by this measure, I wouldn't rule out anything in terms of the veteran route. You have to look at somebody that's going to be cost effective enough. Mason Rudolph's not going to cost an arm and a leg, no matter where he signs. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at somebody that's within that market price within that value and find somebody that's worthy enough to compete with Kenny Pickett for the starting job in the process. Somebody has to fit those two criteria because look, if you want to sign Kirk cousins or one of these lucrative free agents, more money has to be moved around. They're going to have to do more with the cap. Part of the business of what the Steelers are able to build last year was because they're on a, they have a quarterback and that is on a rookie friendly deal. And their entire collective of a room costs like what? $12 million. It wasn't much at all. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure that out as far as structuring the cap around 
getting a quarterback if they're going to pay more than what Mason Rudolph would be. But if they don't get Mason Rudolph back, you can't rule anything out. You can't rule out free agency. And if they stand pat on free agency when it comes to the quarterback, I, I mean, it, it would be pretty foregone to say that they're going to draft one. Yeah. I mean, and again, you're going into the draft kind of handcuffed having to take one. And I, and I don't think, and I don't think you're, um, I don't think you're, the Steelers would be um, putting themselves in a very advantageous position if they're relying on, on a rookie, um, unless it is one of the top guys to be like your number two at, at bare minimum. You know, and now if you, if you were fortunate to get, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in this class, then, okay, yeah, maybe you can run with that. Um, but I think, th- I do think that they need to try. Mason Rudolph is the most likely choice when it comes to free agency because, you know, of obvious reasons that we've already gone over. Um, and also that helps keep things cost effective. Now, I'm very intrigued by, you know, bringing in a guy such as Kirk Cousins. I brought him up quite a bit because, like, yes, he's older. Um, he's coming off of a major knee injury. So you might be able to get him at some sort of a discount compared to what he got last year. Uh, you might, like, under the $30 million threshold for, you know, like in terms of AAV. Um, but, but <laughs> hey, but hey, listen. That's you a want, lot of money. I understand that, but listen, you want top. Listen, if there's yeah. a position, is there? If there's a position that you invest money in, it's quarterback. It just is. Yeah. Like, like if you like, tell me right now that if Kirk Cousins is the quarter, and I'm not like making this like some sort of Kirk Cousins, they need to sign him thing, but if Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of this offense going into the season, is this a legitimate contender in the AFC? I think it's a better contender than a Kenny Pickett team or Mason Rudolph team would be. I think it's better. I can't say it's, I think they have a better shot of winning. I can't say it's, Oh, they're AFC favorites. There are also a lot of variables that go into this, who the offensive coordinator is, how they address certain things on on the defensive side. But the fact is just, as you said, it puts them in a much better position to try to do that. They stand a better chance that whenever they go into a game against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, that they're not going to be completely overwhelmed because of quarterback play. Yeah. Uh, Barbara says, I hear that all the time. And so I'm going to ask, how are the Roonies cheap? They're not cheap. It's just, this is how this team, this roster is organized. This is how they have built this roster. This is how they have structured the money to pay these players. Make Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. They all make an insane amount of money. Deontay Johnson makes an insane amount of money. They're paying their defense more than their offense. Something that not many teams do in the NFL. So the way that the Steelers are constructed, the way that they're built, the way that these contracts work out, there has to be money moved. If they're going to make a big move like this at quarterback, Mm -hmm. it would happen. They would find a way to do it, but it would cause more domino effects, more trickle-down effects than if they got Mason Rudolph back, drafted somebody, or got a veteran that was pretty cheap on the dollar. So that's that's what we're referring to here. If they're going to break the bank for a quarterback, they're going to have to change the bake and change the funds around other pieces on the team. Mike in Texas says here, who's worth a shot and not overpaying for them? Brissett, Sam Darnold. Those are two possibilities. Those are sure. two possibilities. But again, mm-hmm. I think the main focal point is number two of them. Number one, finding someone that's going to compete with Kenny Pickett in a legitimate fashion. Mm-hmm. Number two, finding somebody that if they win that job is going to give the Steelers a better chance to win football games in 2024. That's what this all boils down to. And obviously, 
This has to stem from who they hire as the offensive coordinator. Uh, that's Biad says, if Ramon and Mason go longer than 30, will that cancel the beat? I don't know if that'll cancel it, but it'll definitely delay it. We'll wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something we'll wait for. I would, uh, I would anticipate, uh, I would anticipate it going longer than 30 minutes. I, I, I just, just because, you know, why wouldn't that, it? That's going to be a really interesting <laughs> conversation. I mean, Ramon's obviously phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, was obviously teammates with Mason. So, um, yeah, no, that, that'll be, that'll be, and, and there's nothing that we can do here that can live up to that. Um, oh, no. We're going to be, we're going to be, you know, to bring another wrestling reference, we're going to be the Divas match after the World Heavyweight Championship at the pay-per-view. Mm. Um. <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be, uh, gosh, no, we're going to be like the singles, the singles feud that comes on after the tag team match. Like it's that's filler. what we're, we're going to be like the second match on the show. It's like, filler. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey says, check it in from Kuwait. Love of the content. Well deployed helps pass the side. Well, Jeffrey, we thank Hello you for your Kuwait. service. We thank you for your service. We salute you. We appreciate you. Absolutely. And uh, that's, that's amazing stuff. We, we thank you for having us on overseas while you're doing, doing something far greater than Chris or I could ever fathom doing mm-hmm. quite frankly, this is, this is awesome to hear about. Um, all right, let's let's keep diving into comments here. And I got an interesting question for Reginald. Reginald asks, can Darnell Washington play right tackle? No. I don't think he can play right tackle as of this moment. I think his frame, his size, his strength, his ability to get out is more valuable at tight end than it is at right tackle. I think having his athleticism is more valuable at tight end than it is at tackle, period. To be honest with you, I think trying to transition Darnell Washington into a tackle spot would be a waste of time. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, th- but I will say that if the if the Steelers go with a Zach Robinson type at offensive coordinator and, and they will be running a lot more 11 personnel, if that's the case, and the Steelers already run you know, the the fifth highest clip, you know, in in the NFL. So it's not like they don't run 11 personnel, but if they did run more, um, you got to kind of wonder how Darnell Washington fits into the plans, because that would obviously mean a lot more of uh, a featuring Pat Fryermuth. But, um, you know, I'm still very intrigued by Washington's uh, um, Washington's ability to be a, a blocking tight end first with, superb athleticism that can become a, a better version of what the Steelers had in Zach Gentry pretty much. Um, and I think that has value, uh, and listen, you know, Washington was taken what the third round, I think. And so, you know, if he turns into a, a really solid number two tight end that can, you know, every now and then fill in if Ryan Ruth is injured or something like that. Yeah. I think that, that, that's a, that's a, a worthy, a a worthwhile pick. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Spy Guy asked, Dan Moore was letting too much pressure on Kenny. Did he do better with Mason? And Darren, I think, answered it for me. That's the pers- That's the perfect question to ask Al Villanueva. I think that's a great question to ask Al. Reminder, Alejandro Villanueva. 
right after this show, 4 p.m. Eastern, right mm-hmm. here on DK Pittsburgh Sports, live in living color, we'll be joining Ramon Foster for that. So you're going to want to definitely stick around for that. Uh, question: What just happened? He just started for me a few seconds ago. Refresh. We've been up. Yeah. Si- we've been up since three. We've been on. Yeah. Maybe click refresh um, or click live. I think down in the bottom corner it'll be over by Chris. There's a there's like a live button. I think you might be able to do that. So, but uh, not sure. J- just to kind of give a little bit of answer. Obviously, Villanueva can can you know give a much better answer to this because he played um, yeah. left tackle position. But um, it's always easier for offensive linemen to to in pass protection when the quarterback is you know, committed to staying in the pocket on a consistent basis. It just is that, that that's, that's uh, um, I think Ramon's admitted that, you know, on, on the Ramon show. And uh, I, I think you'd hear a lot of offensive linemen say the same thing. If you got a quarterback who's all over the place or constantly bails from pockets, it makes it harder for the offensive line to protect them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they know where the quarterback is pretty much at all times, you know, let's just keep everything away from that spot. Yeah. Uh, and somebody brought up Corey Trice. This is Jared bringing up Corey Trice. If he is what he appeared to be in camp, that'd be huge and allowing for teams to focus on other picks. You know, I, I think Corey Trice could be ready for training camp. I think that's very possible. I, I don't know what Corey Trice can be in his rookie year. Getting back from an injury like that, he's had prior history of knee injuries. Mm-hmm. He's had injury history before. Like, how effective can he be? I think we we kind of have to wait and see. I think, in theory, it's great to have a cornerback with his size. I think it's, in theory, great to have a cornerback that can play and match up against these really tall receivers in the NFL. But I th- also think there's a component to he has to be healthy and has to be able to stay on the field and has to be able to consistently run with them. So I think we can expect good things out of Corey Trice, but I think we can table those until we see him back on the field in Latrobe. Like, he still has to rehab. He still has to recover from that ACL. He's off of crutches, which is great. But I think that's an important thing to note about Corey Trice. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very curious about Corey Trice because he is uh, a lot like Joey Porter Jr. in terms of, you know, really good length, physical press corner. And so that you know, based off of what we saw with Joey Porter Jr. and how that worked in the Steelers system, I think all Corey Trice really had to do was kind of take notes, not based off of, look, at, well, I got to be as good as Joey, but like just watch how a similar style cornerback played in the Steelers system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it will mainly come down to health, but there's a lot of Corey Trice that I, I, I thought that was a slam dunk uh, for, in the seventh round. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously he's got to stay healthy and, and the, the track record of, of injuries is uh, obviously a concern. It's one of the, it's probably, it's the main reason why he fell all the way to the seventh round. Um, but yeah, if that guy turns into something, even at, even at, at, at most a, uh, a really, really good slot corner. When, <laughs> when yeah. if he turns into a starter, it's a win because it's a seventh round pick. If he turns into anything, it's a win. When you get to day three in the draft, if you can find somebody that can contribute or if you're lucky, start. If you're mm-hmm. lucky, if they're good, then that's a win. You picked up a seventh-round pick, somebody that was maybe an afterthought, and turned them into something. I mean, like the easiest, I think, example that people are going to use now for the next century is Brock Purdy. Like if you get the right guy in the right system in the right time, then they could become something. Like I thought, you know, Spencer Anderson in the seventh round, Corey Trice in the seventh round. Like obviously Trice gets hurt. 
but Spencer Anderson was able to fill in pretty much all, everywhere along the offensive line mm-hmm. and is, is was a good like insurance policy to have on the 53 in case something happened. He could play virtually anywhere on the line. Yeah. So that was a big piece to getting Spencer Anderson in the seventh round, I thought. And look, he stuck around. This would have been, if Corey Trice didn't get hurt, all of the Steelers draft picks would have made it to the 53. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to note. I think that's important that Omar Khan did so good in that draft last year that they would have had seven usable players along along that 53. And yeah, if Corey Trice turns into something as a seventh rounder, whether that's this year or next year, or whenever it is, yeah. And Jay Quest says it here, a lot of potential. That's there because is. of his size. That's because of his athleticism. Length. Yeah. Yeah, he's got good length. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's it. And yeah, I love this from Hodge. And I think we learned this uh, really in a really hard way last year. We do not need to overreact to preseason reps. Very no, true. we do not. That's Very Latrobe. True. That's week one, two, three of the preseason. We do not need to overreact. If if last year taught us, I mean, last year taught us a lot, obviously, 2023 did. But if if preseason and training camp of last year taught us one thing, it's that it is what it is at that stage. And we can't overreact to Kenny Pickett went five touchdown drives and five possessions in the preseason. And George Pickens was mossing Joey Porter Jr. in training camp. And Anthony McFarlane had a role in training camp. Like you, like all of that stuff matters to a certain extent, but it's yeah. not clearly going to define the entire I mean, route of how, the Steelers that year. How impressed were you by by Gunnar Olszewski in training camp? Oh, he was he was the favorite in training camp. Kenny beamed about him. Everybody beamed about Gunnar Olszewski in training camp. And, and he I, was... I, for my money, I, one of the better people to talk to, to be and honest. And I warned, and I warned you that the same thing happened the year before. That was yeah. Kenny's dude in the first training camp, man. Yeah. And, and Kenny's rookie year, that training camp, Gunner became Kenny's dude, and it just didn't happen. You know, it's just like like you have to take training camp for what it is. It it is team building, is what it is, and it is laying the foundation for what the Steelers are going to be. They get into preseason. The, uh, stadiums so that they can take what they're building and put it up against somebody who's not dressed in black and gold. Yeah. Um, it, it has nothing. You're not going in there scheming. You're not going in there actually game planning and trying to take away what Josh Allen is doing. You are literally going, uh, going out there, taking what you are building and putting it against players that are not b- dressed as Steelers, you know, and that, that's pretty much it. Um, so yeah, there is a big reason. And, I th- and if there is ever going to be an example of don't take too much stock in preseason, it's going to be what the offense looked like last year. Yeah. Uh, Darren <laughs> says it's easy when the rounds aren't live. They try to make the rounds as live as they can possibly be. Yeah. Um, when you're in training camp and there's 90 players there, as opposed to 53 during the regular season, mm-hmm. there's live rounds for those, what, 40, you know, 30, 37 players that are not going to be here after, what the five weeks in Latrobe? Mm-hmm. So I think that those lives, those rounds are live, and to a certain extent. Now, like T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Minka, they don't need to go full hundred percent. Non, they don't need to go full hundred percent in training camp. They just don't anymore. But when you have guys that are fringe fifty three guys, you know, look at for example, Kenny Robinson was a name in training camp last year that mm-hmm. people were salivating over at safety, and and it was basically between him and Elijah Riley. Mm-hmm. as to who was going to get that 53rd spot in Pittsburgh. It was Elijah Riley. And then Kenny Robinson kind of fades to nothing. Yeah. So that's the difference. That This is the difference for some of these guys between having an NFL career or not. 
quite frankly, at the yeah. end of the day. And, and Mark brings up a good point here because it's about for young guys, preseason and camp is very important. It, it is. And, yes, and it I is. think, I think the biggest thing that players can do when they go into training camp and they go into preseason is obviously show what you got. You know, I, I think about Jalen Warren, you know, whenever I covered the training camp up there ahead of his, you know, rookie season and what he did and how he turned a lot of heads. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that he was a little bowling ball in between the tackles. It was, and this is really, this goes for any player. How well do you respond to coaching there? How yep. well do you respond and, and uh, um, apply what you're being taught to what they are trying to teach you? Because it's all about how you can fit into their system, how you can fit into what they want to do on the side of the ball that you play on. And of course, talent has a big, big part to do with it, but it's also how well you're, you're, you're coaching, how well you're coached, how well you, you respond to coaching. And I think those are the guys who end up ultimately standing out and, and playing well, um, you know, because it's got to be a mixture of both. You have to have talent. You have to be able to play, but you have to be able to play within what the team that you're trying out for wants you to do. And Jalen Warren is a perfect example of the, the blending of those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me in training camp this year, like I watched a lot of George Pickens highlights over training camp in person. And at the time, we sat there and said, this guy's going to break out this year. This guy's going to be bona fide. And he had some good moments, but he wasn't that wide receiver one, you know, all pro caliber receiver like some thought he could be this year. So it works for both ways. You know, there could be some standouts in training camp that, really carry that momentum into the preseason and then into the regular season. And then sometimes you see these freak athletes like George Pickens, who had a really good camp, kind of level out once the season starts. And then you see some camp standouts that just kind of don't do anything in the regular season. Like, we can only take so much stock into Latrobe and a training camp and those three preseason games. But ultimately, what those are set to do is set the tone for what the Steelers could be. And, and they certainly do that every year and they'll do that again in 2024 under a new uh yeah barber here yeah i was actually about to i was about i was about to uh bring let's do final thoughts thoughts. and i think both of us are going to do this with uh one miles garrett versus tj watt one more discussion about the two so remember this is the pfwa awards not the ap awards that are going to be announced uh at you know the i think it's the day before the super bowl Uh, i can't no no it's the thursday before the super bowl um so those are that's going to be the award. The AP awards are the ones that 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 are like the official awards, I guess. But yeah. I mean, it's I mean, you still have the NFL Committee of One Hundred and One. You still have the PFWA. Those aren't like oh, sh- throwaway awards, you know. No, um, they yeah, as a member of the PFWA, I did I did vote, and you can go on dkpittsburghsports.com and to our Steelers feed and see who I voted for. I did not vote for Miles Garrett for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, it just is, it is what it is, man. Like, you know, whenever you have, uh, whenever you have, uh, a site like pro football focus, that is, um, a lot of people respond to a lot of people pay for, um, they're going to listen to what they're being, what they're being fed. And, and, and I, I'm as fair as I, as I can be with pro football focus. They have a lot of really valuable information. A yeah. lot of very, very valuable information. I'm not charting. Uh, I'm not charting snap counts by hand every game. I'll tell you that. Yeah, uh, chalk talk. You can go to my chalk talk piece uh, that that's on on the site right now. Um, you got heat maps for targets and routes that are there. That like that's just stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So the val- the information can be valuable. 
their grading system is admittedly by them subjective. I have no reason then to trust their grading system. It's their own method. It's their and own formula. So they write the rules, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think box score stats are everything. I think there is more to the film, but when you're that overwhelmingly better in every single st uh, statistic possible, it's not just a coincidence. Uh, TJ Watt should be the defensive player of the year. I'm sorry that the, the association that I'm a member of did not vote him as, as such, but, I digress. I can only put my vote and I can't control it. So it is what it is. I, and I don't want to be, you know, doom and gloom over here, but I think it's a clear indicator that Miles Garrett's going to win defensive player of the year. If the PFWA does this and then usually very, it usually aligns very the, rarely is a difference. If the PFWA does this and then you look at all pro and Miles Garrett got, I think it was a handful more votes for all pro than TJ Watt did. Mm -hmm. And the players think Miles Garrett is going to win it over Watt. I think it's a. I think it's an indicator. Well, and you, look, you look at uh, you look at history of like the MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and how like the difference between PFWA and AP. It's usually usually the same. It's pretty close, at mm -hmm. least. And uh, you know, let me keep this in mind too. Like PFWA members and AP members, they share the same beats. Like they're. Mm -hmm all there they're all in the same building as each other they all see the same things mm -hmm. so and they and they talk amongst each other too by the way like the writers you know me being on the Steelers beat I don't just go there by myself there's reporters many of them around me at all times every day and we all see and talk about similar and in, in, in similar and even the same thing so that's an indicator to me and that's I think a good place to leave off today reminder the main event in about 30 minutes, about 28 to be specific, Alejandro Villanueva joins Ramon Foster here on the Ramon Foster Show, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. You're not going to want to miss that. And then tomorrow, 2.30 Eastern, Mason Rudolph. That's right. Mason awesome. Rudolph joins Ramon, 2.30 Eastern tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss either of those. Mm -mm. Chris and I are out of here. We're going to clear the area, clear the stage. Everybody out. Not me. Well, not you guys, but us. <laughs> We're clearing. Every, everybody's me and Chris. Clear the airwaves. You all hang tight. Another 28 minutes or so for Ramon and Alejandro Villanueva. We appreciate you all. We love you all. This has been the Southside Beat, and we will talk to you tomorrow, maybe at 3, maybe 3.15. We'll see. Peace out, everybody. Have a good day.